Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're reading the entire Bible together out loud, chapter by chapter. And this is, this is where it's getting really interesting here. We are at the climax already here of the story in Exodus, looking at Exodus chapter 11. We've, we've seen all these plagues. The last one that we saw of darkness, that was really ominous. And now in chapter 11, this is where it's uh, the beginning of the end here. And you've got this, this final threat. We got to ask ourselves, no, hang on a second. Um, if, if Moses is before Pharaoh, how is it that <laughs> he's uh, working with that whole threat that Pharaoh had about, you know, don't ever see me again? So there's kind of some questions going on at the very beginning, uh, but then it just really gets into this this very ominous prediction. Hey, here's coming. If you thought these last 10 plagues were bad, here comes the really big one. So it's a short chapter, but very pivotal chapter. And joining us today, we've got, as our guest, we've got Pastor Thomas Eckstein, pastor at Concordia Lutheran Church in Jamestown, North Dakota. Good morning, brother. Good to have you back on with us. How are you and the brothers and sisters there in Jamestown doing? Well, we're doing well. Uh, thankfully, uh, in North Dakota, we haven't been hit quite as uh, badly by the COVID situation as other places. Uh, I was actually able to resume public church services on May 10th, uh, you know, while following various social distancing things, but at least we're back in church. Uh, I know in other states that's not necessarily the case for some churches, So, uh, but we're, right. we're thankful that we're able to see each other face-to-face -face again. Absolutely, and, and uh, certainly I think around these times we've we've all kind of been reminded um, just how important that is and just how we just can't take it for granted um, so yeah it's uh it's good it's it's good I'm glad to hear that you guys have uh, have maybe had it a little bit lighter um, you know it, it's interesting you know just <laughs> again and again we keep looking at all these different things whether it's uh you know th these different the plagues that were in revelation or now it's plagues in Egypt and it all it all feels different when you're kind of in the midst of like real life plague, right? Exactly, right. Exactly, but you know, uh, God has His purposes, uh, and and even as believers in Christ, you know, we we know that God uses the the whether it's a pandemic or a famine or or war or natural catastrophes or or whatever it may be. You know, God God uses this to remind believers, you know, not only that we live in a broken world and that we, we need Him every day, but, but you know, another thing, and we often forget this as Christians, uh, even though we might not quite understand this, God, God sometimes allows catastrophes to give us uh, an opportunity to witness to others about the hope we have in Christ. I mean, uh, you know, when when people are going through things like this, you know, they, they often realize how frail they are and 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 start looking for hope. And boy, then then we have an opportunity to point them to the one hope that we have in Jesus. Yeah, certainly. Though, um, you know, I mean, so you're right. I think the word opportunity there is the operative word. It's it's really interesting how we saw this last time the very different responses that you can have to uh, you know tragedies and calamities you know there there's all of Pharaoh's servants that are like hey um, hey boss you think maybe we should just go ahead and let them go and uh, cut our yeah. losses here you know maybe we've maybe we've been uh, in the wrong but but this that's where Pharaoh digs in his heels right so it's uh, it's opportunity as you said because. People respond differently, and they can become uh, deeper and deeper in dis into despair and stubbornness when these things happen, you know, or 
there is an opportunity for change. So um, it, it can go either way. And I think um, today here, we, we see just more of that in chapter 11 with the different kinds of responses and, you know, like what right. what is God working from these disasters and these events and these um, demonstrations of his power. So uh, really excited looking at uh, chapter 11. It's, it's I, 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 you know, I never really appreciated in chapter 11 as much. It always felt like, like such a precursor little chapter, but it's it's a gem i think and it's it's got a lot of oh, really yeah. cool stuff when you when you sink into it so looking forward to to talking about this but before we get started brother would you go ahead and open this up with a prayer yes heavenly father we come before you today and we thank and praise you so much that in good times and in bad you are our god and you promise to work in all things for our present and eternal good and Lord, as we uh, go into this section of, of the book of Exodus, uh, help us to see how the Passover, the death of the firstborn, is ultimately a picture of your firstborn son, your uh, eternal son, who uh, the, shed his blood for us as the lamb that takes away the sin of the world. Uh, so Lord, even though uh, this uh, final plague on Egypt is definitely a judgment, uh, help us to see that in the midst of it, there's a, there's a very uh, vivid picture of the gospel whereby you give your self uh, to the judgment of the cross that we might have life in you. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 All right. So uh, we'll go ahead and just read through this this little chapter, and uh, chapter 11 here, just all 10 verses of it. And uh, we've already talked a little bit about what to expect here, but anything that we should be keeping in mind or uh, keeping an ear open for as we go through this chapter? Well, one thing, you, you already alluded to it in your comments uh, 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 earlier. You know, at the very end of chapter 10, uh, it's, you know, Moses says, I will never appear before you again. And yet right. we see in chapter 11, he's talking to Pharaoh. I, I think <laughs> yeah. the best way to understand this is that, that he actually hasn't left yet. Uh, verses 1 through 3 are sort of an aside, uh, reminding uh, uh, us what, what God had told Moses. But, but starting with verse 4, when Moses is, is speaking, uh, I believe he, he's still there in the presence of Pharaoh. So uh, uh, verse 29, I'll never appear before you again. And then it's kind of like, and, and, and so because I'm never going to appear before you again, let me say this one last thing. And that's yeah. where you, you get these yeah. words in verse 4. All right. Yeah, no, I, and I, I think I agree, but um, we'll talk a little bit more about that and how, how, how you can reach that conclusion um, in, in a minute. But let's go ahead and read it here. Here's chapter 11. The Lord said to Moses, Yet one plague more I will bring upon Pharaoh and upon Egypt. Afterward, he will let you go from here. When he lets you go, he will drive you away completely. Speak now in the hearing of the people that they ask every man of his neighbor and every woman of her neighbor for silver and gold jewelry. And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Moreover, the man Moses was very great in the land of Egypt, in the sight of Pharaoh's servants, and in the sight of the people. So Moses said, Thus says the Lord, About midnight I will go out in the midst of Egypt, and every firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die. From the firstborn of Pharaoh who sits on his throne, even to the firstborn of the slave girl who is behind the handmill, and all the firstborn of the cattle. There shall be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt, such as there has never been, nor ever will be again. But not a dog shall growl against any of the people of Israel, either man or beast, that you may know that the Lord makes a distinction between Egypt and Israel. 
and all these your servants shall come down to me and bow down to me, saying, Get out, you and all the people who follow you, and after that I will go out. And he went out from Pharaoh in hot anger. Then the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh will not listen to you, that my wonders may be multiplied in the land of Egypt. Moses and Aaron did all these wonders before Pharaoh, and the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he did not let the people of Israel go out of his land. Yeah, so really short little chapter, and uh, you, you can see in the ESV, then, then we get Passover, um, which, is, which is, I mean, re- really then um, the start of a, a new section, because we're going to get into, I mean, it, it almost feels like something out of Numbers or Leviticus, where you get into, you know, a, a procedure, right, and description of, you know, uh, religious observance. So th- this is the, the last part of this little narrative section, and... I mean, it really is. Uh, <laughs> it is such a a suspenseful moment, right? It's just Moses is angry. <laughs> Nothing has um has has been accomplished. It seems through all of this going back and forth with Pharaoh, and it's just like, oh man, this this last one's going to be a doozy, and, and we're just kind of like, it's like a the cliffhanger at the end of the season or something. Exactly, exactly, and and then th- th- there is so much. Um... So many theological mysteries in this section. I mean, we we, we get the whole issue of God hardening Pharaoh's heart. Um, you know, we we have the whole idea of, of the 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 topology of the firstborn uh, and, and the Passover lamb, and and then also I, I think it's interesting. We can talk about this too. The when it talks about the distinction between Egypt and Israel. Yeah. You know, I think it's important that we don't think that God is favoring one ethnicity over another, but it's really about the difference between believers and unbelievers here. And um, uh, uh, also, I think I want to throw this in, maybe it's something we can chew on later on in the program, but um, uh, it's interesting when you read on uh, later on in in Exodus, when when the people actually do leave Egypt, it talks about a mixed multitude. And and so um, even though it's certainly not a a big number, there are a few Egyptians that apparently uh, put their faith in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And and right. now whether they actually celebrated the Passover with Israel, we don't, you know, whether they actually decided to put the blood of the lamb on their doors too, we don't know for sure, but we do know that some Egyptians end up going with the Israelites. And so right. so it's not merely okay if you're Egyptian, I don't love you and if you're Israelite I do, but it's really about believers and unbelievers. Yeah. No, that, that that's fair and we've been we've been prepped for that too, right? I mean, we saw that with the hailstorm when when things really started to escalate and then you know god had moses say hey you servants of pharaoh who want to listen why don't you go ahead and just take your animals and your servants and bring them inside um and and we saw that some of them did that right so like we've already started to see that like god's god's kind of peeling away some of the egyptians um from pharaoh right i mean pharaoh gets more and more isolated and the people of Egypt are starting to say, uh, there, there's, a, there's a better God here that we ought to be following. He's even greater than all of our gods, which, um, of course, we've been looking at some of the correspondences, too, between uh, the different Egyptian gods and, and, and creation and what might be going on here. So, yeah, as you said, a lot of things going on, um, but just kind of taking it you know, one piece at a time. In the opening verses here, you've got this—the Lord speaks to Moses— and and it's interesting because, you know, when we've had these the Lord speaks to Moses kinds of moments, it 
it seems like it's a, a, tra- a usually transition point, right? It's usually like between scenes, right? Like, uh, you know, I mean, for instance, we had this same kind of formula. Then the Lord said to Moses um, at the beginning of the plague of darkness, right? Which was, you know, after um, the audience that he had with Pharaoh um, regarding the, the locusts. And so it's like they had the audience with Pharaoh, they leave, God um, is is uh, prayed to, right? He intercedes, Moses does, with God. And then, you know, God gives him more instructions. So it's like usually these things happen, it seems like, away. It doesn't say where. I mean, he's not going back up to, to, to Horeb every time to talk to God, but he, he's not talking to God, like, you know, in the middle of, yeah, the, the Pharaoh's palace. Um, and yet, as you were saying, that kind of seems to be actually what we have going on here. Cause it just in the text itself, right. right. Moses just says, you know, okay, I won't, I won't come see you again. Um, and then the very next like sentence, it's just, and then God said to Moses. So it, it seems like God actually is speaking to Moses right there in the middle of Pharaoh's courtroom. Right. Exactly. And, you know, and it's interesting how some English translations try to deal with this uh, little conundrum. Like, uh, for example, in the NIV, it'll say, now the Lord had said to Moses. As oh, is that what the NIV him. does? Oh, <laughs> that's just that's just cheating, NIV. Come on. <laughs> oh, I know. You can't know, just put know, blue perfects but... whenever you want. Exactly. But I, I noticed that when I looked at several English translations yeah. for this, you know, it, it's like, okay, that's how they're dealing with it. But yeah. but you're right. It, 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 yeah, I think I it's that. better, oh, uh, the it's translation bad. you use, that the Lord is speaking directly to him in this moment. Uh, yeah. And uh, and then, then, you know, Moses goes on, starting in verse 4, to actually tell Pharaoh what's going to go down. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah, no, that's inter- That's interesting, you know. But that's um, that's what the NIV's had since um, even since like the original '84 version. So, um, yeah, huh? Yeah, I know that that is interesting, and you know that there are, there are lots of actually moments like this. Um, and I, I'm thinking of one actually in Genesis uh, chapter two, uh, where people like to stick in some pluperfects to just kind of make everything line up the way we think the story should go. But this is uh, one of these things I tell people, you know, like, are are we reading the Bible or are we kind of like reading the movie version of the Bible that we have playing in our head and kind of like forcing the words to, to, to conform onto that. Right. Um, and exactly. it is interesting how, when you, when you look at the text, you think to yourself, well, well, maybe I've actually got the movie wrong, right? Maybe the picture in my head's not quite right. Cause I mean, it is, um, You've got this, right? And so he says, you know, I'm going to bring one more plague. And then it's interesting how he says, you know, speak now in the hearing of the people. Um, and I, I think it's, I, you know, it's really, I, I wasn't aware of this. Um, it wasn't something that really was something that had caught my eye before. But the form that God uses in verse 2 stands out because he uses this, um, it's, it's got the suffix there on the end, that na like like you got like an hosanna like it's this kind of like urgency or or it it can be like pleading or politeness but it, it's so it seems like God's like okay Moses like you got to do this here speak now which which is interesting because I wonder if actually the purpose here and actually this might even be what the following verses are getting at is that unlike the other times where God seems to be relaying these messages to Moses and then Moses just kind of whispers in Aaron's ear and then Aaron speaks on his behalf if this is this rare moment where Moses himself is actually going to speak in the hearing, I mean, that's what it says there, in the hearing of the people. So he's not going to whisper so that no one can hear him and only Aaron can. 
uh, speak softly, but he's actually going to speak up, this guy who's scared to death of speaking in public, it seems, and he's actually going to directly announce this final last plague, which, I mean, I got to imagine if that's what God's having him do, that's going to make a real big impression. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, especially since, you know, Moses in in many ways is is a a type uh, of Christ, you know, interceding uh, between uh, God and and the people, you know, here, especially since, you know, we we see Jesus as the one who who speaks on behalf of the Father. John even calls him the Word. You know, here it's uh, interesting that finally Moses actually does the speaking. You know, he's the man and and, uh, he, 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 for, for this final plague, especially, I think it's significant that, that Moses himself speaks uh, about this final plague, where we do, the plague itself becomes uh, a picture of Christ as well. So I, I think it's appropriate that, that, that Moses is actually doing the speaking here. Yeah, certainly. And so, you know, so then the other, the other side of it, I mean, it, it's, uh, I mean, it's interesting because it says there in the verses that follow, where is it there at the end of verse three, the man Moses was very great in the land of Egypt, right? So, I mean, you, you, it's an interesting comment because you can kind of imagine this. There's this there's this Moses guy who at first was like maybe the crazy guy who kind of like jumps out of the reeds and, and you know, surprise, and, and you know, and like, Mo, and everyone's just like, what is this guy doing? But after this series of plagues, Moses must be like a terrifying figure, right? Because you never hear him speak. All he does is he just kind of whispers things into Aaron's ear, and then Aaron just announces like death, doom, and destruction, and it all happens exactly as foretold. So, I mean, this is really interesting because, you know, back when he, uh, when God says to Moses, I'm going to make you God to Pharaoh, I mean, I mean, that, that's mu- that must be what it felt like, that Moses here is just God, and, and, and you're like, oh man, like this, this guy, um, you know, don't get too close to him. You know, thank goodness there's Aaron speaking on his behalf. <laughs> but, um, right, right. But, but, he, but here, you know, him speaking up. So, I mean, that, that's, that's really interesting how it, it talks about, uh, it says how he's great in the land of Egypt in the sight of Pharaoh's servants, um, because it is clear that, you know, from what follows that he is speaking to Pharaoh and his servants who are there in his court. The odd bit, though, is uh, right after this, speak now in the hearing of the people, we get, you know, that they ask every man of his neighbor and every woman of her neighbor uh, for silver and gold jewelry and, and, and what's going, you know, and the people get favor on the side of the Egyptians. That's maybe the bit why the NIV is, uh, is I'm guessing, like taking the blue perfect um, right. escape rope here because that doesn't really quite seem to fit. Like if he's in Pharaoh's court, then like, why are we getting this bit about um, like the, the Hebrew people kind of like back in Goshen um, asking uh, to get the silver and the gold and all that. Right, exactly. And, you know, there's various ways we can go at this. You know, one, one possible way is that God is telling Moses this, not, not, not that he's going to actually do it right that moment in Pharaoh's court, but that he will be doing it. Uh, he will, in light of this upcoming plague and what will be the result, he will be telling the people, you know, go ahead and ask your neighbors, you know, for the uh-huh. for silver uh-huh. and gold, and you know, so that's one way to go at it too, and 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 we don't know, 
you know, how many, uh, were, were there any other Israelites with Moses at this uh, time? It, it, it's hard to say uh, for sure. But, uh, you know, that's one way of maybe explaining, you know, that part of it. Uh, if, if we take the route that God is actually speaking to him right there and then while he's in Pharaoh's court. You know, one other thing that I thought was interesting, too, you know, when you consider that Pharaoh's servants, you know, Pharaoh was, was a divine figure. Uh, mm-hmm. in, in Egypt, and and yet here, you know, Pharaoh's uh, you know servants uh, are admiring Moses. So here they are; they're in the presence mm-hmm. of Pharaoh, who's their divine leader. But th- they're actually more captivated by Moses at this point. <laughs> yeah, they're, yeah, they're all scratching you know, their heads at Pharaoh, like this guy is crazy. Uh, but but they're yeah, but they're in awe of, of Moses. That's is quite the reversal. Yeah, well, um, and I think, uh, so you know, trying to, you mentioned, you know, one of the ways that maybe we can try to get out of this, that maybe, you know, there is something going on with like time and it's not um, all as linear as the text might make it out to be. I don't like going there because the the verb forms are, are very like, and then this happened and then that happened. So like overall, I, I want to say that, you know, God is speaking, as you said, um, you know, he's speaking to him in the moment. He's telling him to speak right then and there. Um, in fact, I mean, like I said, that, that you know, speak now form, that it does seem like it's, you know, now literally. So, so then, you know, so what can we make of this? Well, uh, one of your suggestions there, I, I think, is I think pretty promising. The idea that actually there are some Hebrews there. Um, I, I think that's not actually very uh, much of a stretch. I think if we go back to Exodus, th- where I'm trying to remember like where this was here, I think it was in Exodus three. Yeah, that's right. Um, so he goes, and when this is you know back with the you know burning bush here, and God appears to Moses, and he and he tells him you know to go and approach the elders, right? And he he's going to first speak to the elders about all of this, um, and then. Uh, yeah, it's there at the end of chapter three, he says, and I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. And when you go, you shall not go empty, but each woman shall ask of her neighbor, any woman who lives in her house for silver, gold, jewelry, and for clothing. So you shall put them on your sons and daughters. So you shall plunder the Egyptians. And so what you have here in 11 is is practically just straight quotes from that point um, back in chapter three, what had already been told um, to the Israelite elders, uh, and, and there, you know, it's uh, it's it's interesting because you know before that, even in verse eighteen, it says, you know, and this is referring to the elders, right? Uh, and they will listen to your voice, and you and the elders of Israel shall go to the king of Egypt and say to him, you know, which which is interesting because, well, maybe we should take from that that the first time that he goes before Pharaoh, uh, you know, that's when he's got the elders of Israel with him. But it could be that every time that Moses requests an official audience, so there are sometimes when, you know, he does just jump out of the reeds on the banks of the Nile, right? And sometimes where he's just, it doesn't even say where he is. He just, you know, they, they throw up, uh, you, you know, they, they throw stuff into the air or whatever. Um, but it could be that whenever he has an official audience with Pharaoh, that he's actually going with the elders of Israel as well, and so it could be a situation where he's in Pharaoh's court and you've got Pharaoh's servants as well as the elders of Israel all there. Yeah, you know, and I, I think that's one 
a very legitimate way uh, to handle it. The only thing that comes, uh, I go back and forth, the only thing that comes with, with, with the timing of the whole thing, I'll give you one New Testament example. You know, we, mm. we, we, uh, when, when you look at the birth narratives between Matthew and Luke, you know, we, we, oh, sure. we know that, that, you know, Jesus ends up going to Egypt before they end up back in Galilee. But, but here you, you read Luke's gospel, and it just, you know, after the, the, the time in the temple, it just says, you know, they went back to Nazareth. It's like, okay. Well, you know, it, it, you know most scholars say, well, okay, Luke, Luke just didn't see a need to, to mention all the other intervening uh, uh, information about Egypt. They just said he went back there. You know, so that, that could be going on here, too, where, where you, know, uh, uh, it, you know, at this point in, in the text uh, between uh, verses 1 and 2, you know, we're, we're, we're simply not being told about the fact that, that later Moses will go to the people and tell them this. But, but I really like your suggestion, too, about the fact that, that there could be some representatives of Israel right there. They're just it's not clearly mentioned, but, but they could, uh, based on earlier texts, they could be there. And so God's just telling Moses in this revelation, go ahead and tell them, now this is what's going to happen, and this right. is what I want you to do. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, and there's a, there's a couple more things we want to draw out of this little scene here, but we, it's time for our break already. But everybody, hang on. We're looking at Exodus chapter 11 here on Nice Strong Word. We'll be right back. Wednesday, June 17th, 2020, KFUO Radio thanks our day sponsors, Ralph and Renee Erickson of Forestall, Missouri. Ralph and Renee made a gift to KFUO Radio in honor of their 43rd wedding anniversary today and in honor of Becky Saunders and Robert Bedell as they celebrate their third wedding anniversary. Thank you, Ralph and Renee Erickson, for helping us share the gospel and for being today's KFUO Day Sponsors. Our listeners and supporters are talking about Worldwide KFUO. Yeah, I think your programming is just wonderful. I love the emphasis on the traditional tunes rather than the modern music. Keep up the good work. Thank you. To leave a message on the KFUO comment line, call 314-996-1542. That's 314-996-1542. Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. Worldwide KFUO. When I look at the x-ray of your funny bone, it seems that everything is a-okay. Medical research has proven laughter helps you both emotionally and physically. Wrestling with the basics on Saturday mornings at 9 a.m. are on demand. We've been putting the fun in the fundamentals for over 30 years. Over 30 years? Oh, don't put too much strain on your funny bone. Nine out of ten doctors agree. It's less painful than getting a flu shot. Welcome back, everybody, to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're looking at Exodus chapter 11 today, joined by our guest, Pastor Thomas Eckstein, Pastor Concordia Lutheran Church in Jamestown, North Dakota. 
here looking at this this scene here, which is just one where it's, you know, this big announcement. Moses himself is going to speak up, not going to have Aaron do the talking here. Um, And and we're trying to figure out and kind of piece together, okay, what is really the significance of what he's saying? Because it's basically his announcement is basically chapter 11. <laughs> that's like, that's most of what we have here. Um, so if you've got any questions or comments for us, I know we were just kind of looking at one of the questions we got online. Uh, go ahead and join the conversation. You can call in at 1-800-730-2727, or if you're in St. Louis, 314-821-0850, or you can email kfuo at kfuo.org. And I see we did get a couple of uh, email questions coming along the way as well. Or if you are on Facebook, Facebook, you can follow along facebook.com slash AJ Espinosa and just uh, put your questions right there in the comment box here. So uh, yeah, so just during the break, I was just taking a look at one of those Facebook questions. And, and uh, yeah, I know, uh, Pastor Eckstein and I, we were just kind of talking about, you know, how, you know, what are the ways that you, you can make sense of this, and, and maybe there are actually, um, you know, an assembly of Hebrew elders and um, you know, the, the, the court officials of Pharaoh here, uh, the question online was, you know, like, so what is it really that, you know, uh, makes it super clear um, in the Hebrew? And I, and I think that's coming up actually in verse, I was just starting to say, you, you see that back, uh, it, it's coming up then at the end of verse 8, right before verse 9, where when it says here that, that Pharaoh, um, or is it there? Uh, yeah, and he went out from Pharaoh in hot anger. You know, that verb there in Hebrew, that's like exited. Um, and then from before, or uh, from Pharaoh, right, that's the the word, the, the phrase that's going to be used for like an audience with Pharaoh, not, not merely... Um, not merely to say that, like you know, like his general vicinity, and actually for for that um, on that on that same note, uh, back when we have in chapter ten, um, I don't know, it's it's kind of interesting. Uh, back back in in chapter ten at the end, where uh, Pharaoh makes his kind of uh, his threat and his you know just angry like get out comment, right? Um, it's interesting because our English translation kind of has a very vivid literal English translation of, it's like, get out of my face, <laughs> something like that, right? It's like, uh, what does it say? Yeah, it's like, uh, yeah, take never, never to see my face again. Like, you know, get out of my face, right? And so it seems like it's just really angry, but that is actually kind of a Hebrew idiom for leave my presence or get out of my court, right? So, I mean, it's it really is kind of between the two, um, in the Hebrew anyway, saying, yeah, no, th- this is this is all happening in the span of um, this single court audience. And w- when, you know, you think about this threat that Pharaoh is making, hey, don't ever come back here. It would be pretty weird if if right after he makes the, the threat, like all of a sudden Moses is a subsequent time in Pharaoh's court. He, he's been banned from the court. So this this really is like the, the same instance, I think. But, oh, yeah. Um, oh, I agree. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, I, I, I just think when you look at the whole uh, context here, you know, the, the fact that, that Moses is saying, basically saying, paraphrasing, leave and never come back. You yeah, know? yeah. So, so the idea that, that Moses would leave and then come back and tell him about, you know, the death of the firstborn just doesn't seem to yeah. fit the flow of the text. Yeah, yeah and, and then the other side of it, someone might say, like, well, no, but hang on a second. Doesn't he talk to Pharaoh again one more time, like right before they leave? Um, because that's what you have in, in coming up in chapter 12. Uh, but again, he doesn't actually 
have an official audience with him in the same way. Um, like what's it say there? This is, this is Exodus. I'm skipping ahead here. So this is Exodus 12 verse 30. Pharaoh rose up in the night, he and all his servants and all the Egyptians. And there was a great cry in Egypt for there was not a house where someone was not dead. Then he summoned Moses and Aaron by night and said, up, go out from among my people. So, I mean, th this is like, you know, Pharaoh is still in his pajamas in the middle of the night here and he's, and he's bringing them back. And this wouldn't have, I imagine, been like a full court assembly, um, you know, whether, you know, to the extent of like how many of the uh, Hebrew elders even would have been there, you know, it, it's, it's diff a different situation. Yeah. I mean, the, you do have the term summoned. But it's not like Moses, like, you know, asked, you know, for an audience. He didn't ring the doorbell and say, well, I'm, I'm, it, I'm here requesting an audience again. That's how I think you can explain this, because in the text we're dealing with today, it's Pharaoh that says, go and never come yeah. back. Yeah. Uh, and so it's, it's not like Moses would say, well, I don't care what he says. I'm going to go back anyway. Yeah, right. But, no. <laughs> but, but, but in Exodus 12, you actually have Pharaoh saying, all right, come back. Yeah, he's like, oh, okay, okay. I take it back. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, so yeah, so there, there's no contradiction in the text, and, and, and it really um, kind of helps us see the shape of it. So, so then, like, in this, in this um, context, then, so here's, here's what he's saying. He, he's saying this before, you know, perhaps both elders of Israel and court officials. Um, he, he's making this announcement about the final plague. But what's interesting, right, if God is saying, okay, I want you to say this so that— the Hebrew people will go and ask for, um, you know, silver and gold jewelry and all the rest. How how are the dots connected? How how is it that the Hebrews are like, oh, okay, a really big plague's coming. Let's go ask for silver and gold. You know, like so. What what's the what's the connection? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Well, you know, in verse three, it talks about the Lord made the Egyptians favorably disposed toward the people, and yeah. um, yeah, you know, it, it's. Uh, you know, we, oh, we, God's going to come kill us? You guys are pretty cool. Yeah, you know, it, <laughs> I, I'm going to be up front. There's some speculation on my part here, but, you know, it, it, it could be the idea that, you know, by, by this time, obviously Pharaoh's hardening his heart and, and, and uh, is hoping, you know, even, even though he should have learned by now, he's hoping this won't come to pass. But the other people are thinking, hey, you know, maybe if, if, we, sh if, if we show favoritism, and and bless uh, the Israelites. You know, maybe maybe we can be spared from this plague. You know, it, it it's 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 a sign that that even though Pharaoh's heart in his heart, you know, God's giving the other Egyptians an opportunity to say, hey, we 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 agree that we're in the wrong, and that you know the God of Israel is the one true God, and 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 we're gonna honor them. Uh, you know, by by you know, ra rather than treating them as as no good slaves, as Pharaoh has been doing uh, against God's you know will, you know, we're we're going to honor them uh, as a way of honoring their God, and and maybe in the back of their minds they're thinking, and maybe we'll we'll be spared in the meantime too. You know, that that's hard to say what they were thinking, but that could be part of it. It's 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 you know the uh, the Egyptians, God's giving the Egyptians a chance to to show you know uh, honor to to God and the people of Israel. Well, and that that is that is that is really interesting to think. You know, maybe maybe that's what's what's going on. That uh, you know, I, I mean, I mean, because right, because there is on a certain level, you're like, no, hang on a second. Like, you know, usually when I'm when I'm threatened, I I don't get warm fuzzies for people. Um, but you know, yeah, it, it is is this this idea of you know, like, oh wow, these guys are 
are, are serious here. And well, maybe, you know, if we, if we kind of avert this, um, you, you know, and, and that's, and that is, I think not, not crazy because, you know, for instance, um, you just think about the preaching of like Jonah, for example, as he's going through Nineveh, right. And he's like, Hey, you know, just, uh, you know, here comes God to destroy you all, right? Um, and, and Nineveh will fall. And and they, their reaction is not like, oh no, Nineveh's going to fall. Like, well, you're terrible, Jonah, and or like we don't believe you. But um, or or, or they say, well, I mean, if, if it's going to fall, then you know, pff, well, I may as well have a big party. Um, but they they understand that it's it's a threat, right? Like that by by saying this, the whole point of having them come and say that is it can be averted if they if they actually change their behavior, which is what they do and they repent and Nineveh is spared. And so, um, yeah, I don't, I don't think that's actually a, a stretch at all to say that, well, well, maybe, uh, you know, like they, they want to do this, try to get some kind of favorable disposition. Um, I think also going again, back to chapter three, um, the idea is that, Hey, they have been told that is the Hebrews that I'm, I'm going to do this one big, uh, plague here, um, and then Pharaoh's actually going to let you go, and you're not going to go empty-handed, but you're going to ask, and you're going to get all this stuff. And so by Moses kind of like—this is, I think, in some ways, almost like Moses giving them the signal. And he's like, hey, here comes the final plague. And they're like, oh, well, we had better go get that silver and gold then, because that's what God right. said back in chapter 3, right? I mean, so it's like they they understand that like they were supposed to do this. They already were given— the instructions more thoroughly back in chapter three. And so uh, in that way, this, this is just kind of like, you know, they would have all kind of like looked at each other and nodded and been like, oh, okay, right. That's, that's our cue. We better, we better go get this stuff, um, you know, but before it, before it's time. Uh, and so, so he does and he go and he makes this announcement, which is, I mean, yeah, the, the, the announcement itself is, pretty stark and it's scary how it's just it's coming so soon it's just about midnight you know it's just they don't have much time you know it's like tonight this is going to happen so you so you can see both on the one hand how this is terrifying for the egyptians and on the other hand it's pretty urgent for the israelites because they better go get busy because <laughs> they don't have very exactly. long to collect all this silver and gold now exactly and you know another and again this is speculation on my part but you you off i i only say this because we know god wants all to be saved and we know that there, there was a mixed multitude but i can't help but wonder that when the israelites are going you know to get these articles of gold and silver that, that the egyptians who are favorably disposed toward them are saying you know is this curse going to fall on you too and you know i can imagine them you know later on finding out from the israelites yeah. hey this is what moses told us to do so we're were there maybe some Egyptians who did the the blood of the lamb thing? I don't know, but uh, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if it had happened. So yeah, well, I mean, it is interesting that I mean the the way that you have the description of the Passover without like you know just doing chapter twelve um, a day in advance, and we should take a look at some of these email questions too. Um, but you know, I mean, there really is this very clear, as to your point, right? Like instruction of hey, you've got to do this and there's specific instructions for how to do this and in fact one of the big instructions that we forget about is you've got to be circumcised if you're going to celebrate this passover you do not get to celebrate it if you're not circumcised um which um as as it happens would not necessarily be a problem for a lot of egyptians um you know because they they actually they were i mean circumcision was not an unknown thing to them um it was not a practice that was i mean it seems like actually it may have been pretty widely practiced at certain points in egyptian history but i mean just because there is this really specific instruction here 
right. that, you know, there's actually a very early uh, tradition in the interpretation here that there were disobedient Israelites who who didn't do this, and they had their firstborn uh, struck, and there were Egyptians who did obey it and who had their spared. And like you said, it, it, that's maybe slightly speculative, but it's not keeping— uh, it's not out of step with everything else right. that we've read um, as well. And, and really, it kind of fits the spirit of the thing because— I mean, isn't this just this great leveling here in this announcement? Like, I mean, just it's amazing, the leveling. It's just, hey, you know, Pharaoh, the slave girl at the handmill and the cattle, you guys are all in the same category. <laughs> you are all ants before God. I mean, isn't, isn't that something, you know? And when, when he says, you know, not a dog shall growl um, against the people of Israel or their, or their livestock, right? I mean, it's like from God's perspective, yeah. Like king, slave, animals, whatever, um, you all are, you know, my little creatures. The point is whether or not that blood gets on the doorposts, like I said, whether there is that obedience of faith. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, and, um, you know— one other thing I, I'm, I'm, I was thinking of here, I'm going to deal with it uh, just because I'm thinking about it this time, but the, the, and I'm sure you've done, dealt with it in previous chapters of Exodus already, but the whole idea of, of the Lord hardening Pharaoh's heart. Oh, you sure. know, um, uh, you know we, we, we know from the wider context of Scripture, God does not predestine people to hell. We know he wants all to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. But this is one, one of these examples where, you know, we, we don't know when someone reaches the point of no return, but, but God does, yeah. you know, and, and we know that Pharaoh, you know, Pharaoh was the one who initiated, uh, you know, uh, God did not create Pharaoh with the intention that he, he would be an unbeliever, you know, uh, and, and go to hell for eternity. You know, Christ shed his blood for all, but, but Pharaoh is the one who, who uh, rebels against God and God finally seals it, you know, and then uses Pharaoh, for, for his own salvific purposes. But, yeah. but uh, you know, uh, we, we have to make sure, because I have, you know, I, I've actually run into some, uh, you know, uh, hardcore Calvinists who will use this. See, God doesn't want all people to be saved, you know, uh, even though yeah, the rest well, of Scripture well. teaches that clearly. You know? so, no, no, that, 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 you know, that's but, true. That's true. Well, and we, we, we have talked about a little bit how that that's not, it, it's a, uh, the hardcore Calvinist position, I mean, you, you really can't go and like try to just make these systematics conclusions based on, on, on the story here. Um, and this is actually, I think, yeah, another uh, reason uh, why, when you take a careful look at it, this is actually, if you're going to use pluperfect anywhere, this is where you do it. It's in verse 10. Um, because after all of these consecutive forms of and this and this and that and that, it's in verse 10 that it says, Moses and Aaron had done all these things. This is a summary statement, right? Uh, I mean, and, and even just looking at the content, right? Like, I mean, they didn't do an extra. Uh, you know, wonder or sign right there. So this is a summary statement. So Moses and Aaron had done all these wonders um, so that, like, so with the result that, or, and, and then it happened in, you know, in this pluperfect past tense situation uh, that the Lord, you know, hardened his heart. And actually, again, this is uh, one of these different verbs. This is the one that is, uh, it says, you know, made it strong um, is actually the word. Um, it's the word that we see in Joshua in connection to uh, resolve. So, I mean, this is, uh, you know, basically along the lines of like, you know, uh, as a summary before we get to this new section in chapter 12, hey, 
yeah, you know, uh, Moses and Aaron had done all these things with the result that that God, you know, uh, I think I think the, the idea, as we've been saying, is through these things only uh, strengthened Pharaoh's resolve, only made Pharaoh dig in his heels even more. Um, because every time, and we saw it, every time God God hits him upside the head with one of these wonders, he just gets angrier, <laughs> and, right. and, and he just doubles down. So, so yeah, it's like you were saying. I mean, like God's he's doing something, but I mean, it's not like it's uh, anything that Pharaoh wasn't already uh, doing him himself. You know, that, that idea of of being strong, or um, another translation can be like prevail. Um, because every time that, you know, his assistants, right, say like, hey, maybe we should, uh, or hey, Pharaoh, would you consider, I- at the end of the day, no, I'm not changing my mind. Um, you know, so so that that idea there. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, caref- careful look at the text, and, and just the, the broader context, I think, shows that, you know, I mean, it, it, every, everything really fits together very well in the story. Um, I, I do want to take a look at a couple of questions that came in over email here. So, uh, so here, I, I guess, kind of just about the questions uh, here I'm seeing, kind of about the way that Moses and maybe Moses and Aaron were esteemed, right? The way that they had, you know, favor or the literal, literal word there in, um, in Hebrew, in fact, is grace um, in the sight of the Egyptians. So, um, you know, so, so one question was, is it because maybe of the esteem um, of Moses that uh, Moses was able to evangelize the mixed multitude? Um, connected to that, um, did Aaron have the same kind of esteem in the eyes of the people, or, or is that unique uh, to Moses? So uh, maybe just kind of pausing there. Um, well, I mean, connected to it, right, is maybe just the, the follow-up question there. Um, are we to take that there is an evangelization that happens, um, and is it because they're afraid of the plagues? Like, oh, well, yikes, we better— <laughs> we, we better convert or else it's not going to turn out well for us. Right. Um, you, you know, or is it something else? And I, and I think of course that question, even using the word evangelism is uh, kind of rightly getting at the question of, you know, does evangelism happen because of uh, fear of punishment? So those, those are all like, really good questions. And uh, I, I want to, brother, I want to give you a chance to, to weigh in. I think just very briefly, like we've already been saying, uh, I think that Aaron would have had, his share of esteem, but but Moses would have uh, been seen as higher because he was the one who was, you know, telling every, Aaron everything to do, right? And he would, you know, oh, exactly. go and hand him, hand him the staff and say, here, do this, right? And so everyone, I think, would have gotten that, um, and, and, and that would have been uh, impactful. Uh, but, but then in terms of, you know, kind of the evangelization thing, I mean, the thing is, like, I mean, my ba- my basic thing is I-, I think the evangelization has been going on this whole while, <laughs> uh, because a- as the Egyptians keep seeing their gods fall down like flies one by one, right? There's flies. That was the thing. Um, th- they're they're getting the message every time these plagues happen. God says that you may know that the Egyptians may know that everyone would know that I am Yahweh. There is none like me. I am in the midst of the land. I mean, the plagues, the whole plagues, each one of them, I mean, the plagues is not even the necessarily the word that the script, uh, Scripture uses very often. It's really these wonders. These wonders are the lived-out uh, message, the confirmation of the message of Moses, that he is the supreme God, and they've been getting the message the entire time. 
Absolutely. And, you know, it would have been, I, you always wish the Bible would say more than it does. <laughs> you know, it would have been interesting to see maybe what type of evangelism would have actually taken place between, you know, Moses, the Israelites, and some of the Egyptians. But the fact that we know that some actually go with them. Uh, yeah. uh, uh, towards the promised land. I, I can imagine, uh, you know, uh, uh, as horrible as these judgments were, you know, uh, g- God used them to maybe bring the Egyptians to the point where they could actually say, we're getting what we deserve. You know, here we, we've been, you know, worshiping these false gods and, 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 and enslaving God's people. And, and, you know, so rather than being bitter and angry at God, it's like, you know, uh, we're getting what we deserve, you know, what, what uh, you know, uh, we, we can't, you know, say no fair. And yet I can yeah. imagine in that context, you know, where they're broken, uh, 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 Moses or the Israelites saying, but you know, if you repent, you can even come with us. You can come with us. Yeah. And, and there I, must I have been that... some... In- yeah. Well, I, I, I was just going to say, like, I, I think that's that's really a really good point. Like, I, I think I think law and gospel was going on with these plagues, and and, and I think that you know, there's a, there's actually like a lot of ways that I think this comes out. Like, you think about like the you know the, people usually start counting the plagues at blood, um, and, and so if that's you know the first wonder, though again, if they're wonders and signs, it, it really starts with the snake. Um, but if you, if you just look at that one, right, there's blood in the water, right? I mean, think about that. The, at the beginning of Exodus, what are we told? That they were throwing the, the Hebrew babies into the Nile River, right? And there was, you know, so to speak, blood in the water. So, I mean, it's a very interesting moment because on the one hand, it foreshadows what's going to happen to the Egyptians. I mean, the Red Sea is going to be the Red Sea when the the army of Pharaoh is there uh, crushed in the water and you've got, you know, dead bodies there. But that's also, you know, looking back at, hey, you guys were committing infanticide and, and killing these children. So, I mean, it, it's, it's the both and, um, and I think that there would be a realization on a certain level that, hey, we've been following these false gods and we have been doing evil things and this is what we deserve, right? So it, it's not just scary things are going to happen to you, but you've been doing scary things to people that you should feel ashamed of. And, and, th- and this last one here, right, that, you know, the firstborn is going to be killed. I mean, God already told us this from the very beginning, right? Um, that the first moment with Pharaoh was, let my firstborn go or I'm going to kill yours, right? You right. have been killing my firstborn. You've been killing my people, Israel. That's what you've been doing this whole time. And, and so it's not just a, a thing that they're scared of, but it, I think you're right. It is a moment where they're, where they're saying to themselves, we've been doing this all along. You know, this is where, where David realizes, I'm that guy. Yes, absolutely. And so, you know, the law being, you know, I deserve the wrath of Yahweh. But then when, when they have the invitation, um, uh, th- that gospel, you know, uh, 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 gift that, hey, you can come with us and be his people. You know, I, I think they're going, wow, this is different than any other gods we've ever served. You know, a God who's willing to forgive us, <laughs> you know, right. and, and, and call us his own. And so, um, you know, uh, uh, I, I think it's, it's wonderful. We don't know how many there were in the mixed multitude, but the fact that, that some indeed uh, were brought to faith in, in Yahweh, you know, it, we, like you said, we had some definite law gospel going on here. I think, you know, God really brought them to a point where they weren't just sorry that they were suffering, but they, yeah. Were, yeah. they were convicted over the fact we have done evil against Yahweh and his people. Yeah. yeah, and really, what's um, 
and we haven't had a chance to talk about this um, as much along the way, but really you see actually this going on in, in pretty much all of the signs and the wonders, right? And they're called signs and, and wonders because they are these prophetic messages that are speaking to the people. And we, and we saw it in kind of an obvious way with the, with the locusts last chapter, how the locusts are I mean, it's amazing, <laughs> but we're going to see this. Uh, God sends an east wind, right? And then that's what brings the locusts. And then he drives them into the Red Sea and not a, a single one was left. The words are almost word for word the same. When we get to the description of the Red Sea, God sends the strong east wind. It blows all night, just like it says with the locusts. And then it says in the end, not a single uh, Egyptian was left there, right? So, so yeah, all these things are ways that... um are pointing forward to that. Even with the snake, very fascinating with the snakes. Um, it's not just like Aaron's a better magician than the rest, um, but right. but it says that his, um, you know, I mean, it's a monstrous serpent, swallows the Egyptians, right? right? right. So they're going to be, and it says, he uses the same word then um, in Exodus, only in these two places here, that the Egyptians are swallowed by the sea. And so um, it, it's really crazy because all these things, yeah, uh, the whole time they've been pointing forward to that punishment, but all of it, again, goes back. Like they were throwing the babies into the river like they were bugs, you know, and they were having them being swallowed up by their Egyptian god of the Nile, right? I mean, so the whole time it has been um, that call to repentance. Um, and, and yeah, th this is where uh, th there is this gospel opportunity to, to respond and to go with Moses here. So uh, just just maybe like, you know, 30 seconds here left, but just, uh, yeah, taking taking a step back at like this and just looking at um, how this is the, the whole thing that's been going on the whole while. Right. And I guess, you know, to sum up this whole thing, how does this apply to us? Well, you know, uh, all the things, the, the horrible things that happen to us uh, in this fallen world, you know, they're really all calls to repentance. They're reminders to us not only that we're frail, uh, yeah. but but also that, that, you know, we don't actually deserve anything from God. Like Luther says at the end of his explanation of the first article, what we do get is because of God's divine mercy. And yet in the midst of, of all the brokenness of this fallen world, we have the good news that, that Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away sin in the world and and we have uh the promised land through him yeah a a amen i mean really it really paves the way for the lord's own preaching you know which was a call to repentance but but also a, a promise of forgiveness and new life out of that punishment so thank you so much brother always enjoy our conversations and exodus has just been awesome but so thank you looking forward to having you again soon yes god be with you Thank you, everybody. That was Pastor Thomas Eckstein at Concordia, Jamestown. Moving on to Exodus 12 next time. Till then, peace. In cooperation with Worldwide KFUO, the official broadcast ministry of the LCMS. Your support is vital for this program to continue. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting Thy Strong Word.